0: Come on. guys back to the life of an average Joe podcast. It's me. Look, if I sound irritated, it's because it must be spooky season because this podcast has been cursed. I have done this episode like three times. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's my connection. I don't know if it's my new studio setup. I don't know what, but I have, uh, I almost trashed this But I'm so far ahead of the game, and so far almost, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, no pun intended, but I can see it towards the end of the year, and I want to get this done. So we're going to take a deep breath, everybody breathe with me, take a drink of water, coffee, beer, wine, whatever you have, do whatever you need to do, and let's dive into this podcast and make it work. Look, if, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I highly recommend it. I had such a great conversation with Ken Salinas from none other than Dudes, the creator of Dudes. He just uh, probably just now got back from New York Comic Con. And I tell you what, that guy is crushing it. Check out that episode and go ahead and check out his stuff. Just, I can't wait to get him back on and see what we got going on. So as I think about Halloween... And I think about that this is my favorite time of year. And, and it looks like, you know, Texas is gonna be hot. <laughs> I mean, look, last Halloween, it was like 70 degrees. Um, I'm hoping we have some cold weather coming, but, but who knows, or cooler. We don't really get a fall. It's like our fall in Texas comes much later. You know, my boys back up north, you know, they're experiencing it. Now I know it hasn't been like cold, but they experience it, and it always makes me think of, this time of year always makes me think of Michigan. That's one of my favorite parts of Michigan, actually, is the change of seasons and the weather and everything that's, the, the colors that it brings. I mean, and if you want to talk about painting a picture, for my photographers out there, content creators, artists, man, just go to Michigan and watch the leaves change. It's literally a canopy of beauty. It's amazing, and, and I love it. You know, the smell in the air, you know, college football, though certain team isn't doing very good, but we'll get into that uh, never. And just the crisp, cool nights, sitting by a bonfire with a hoodie on, enjoying an Oktoberfest, even a cappuccino. Well, not a cappuccino at night, a cup of coffee. It is the epitome. Like, Michigan crushes it in the fall. I I mean, there are other states that do. I've been to some other ones, but I I just miss it. Not enough for me to move back, but this time of year always makes me think of it. And as I think about fall, I have to think about my favorite holiday with Halloween, right? And I have to think about what I did, you know, and and some of the things I've done for Halloween. And it got me thinking about my, my urban exploring, so to speak, my my crazy adventures. And I have to think about one of the creepiest places I've ever been to was in Michigan. An abandoned place, obviously. And I've been to a lot. I have a lot of, if you listen to my stuff last year, I did an episode where I talked about some of my supernatural experiences. I've been to a lot of crazy places from graveyards to houses to warehouses and things like that. Even just fields where things happened. Man, I'm losing my voice and you guys are just going to have to deal with it. But this one stands out. And before I dive into it, some of you have probably been there with me and some of you definitely know about it. But if you don't, I want to give you a little history of a town called Northville and the Northville Psychiatric Hospital. Now, back in the mid-40s or early 40s, Michigan's psychiatric care hospitals, mental instit- hospitals, institutions, all those things were overflowing. They were getting full fast. And they had to do something to modern this field. They had to make it modern. They had to get a modern facility. I mean, this we're talking networks of mental hospitals were aging, they were inadequate, they didn't have proper help, they didn't have staff, they didn't have money, and, and they had to come together and and get something done. So they all came together and decided we have to build a new one. Can't go to Detroit, Detroit being the major metropolitan area in Michigan. Yes, you got k and Flint, poor Flint, Pontiac, poor Pontiac, but, and there were other places, but there was really nowhere to go in Detroit. It was just not a good idea. So at the time they settled on a little town of Northville. Now Northville, just to put it in perspective, okay, just to put it in perspective, Northville from where I was going to high school is a matter of minutes. You know, it's right on seven mile take about 20 minutes to get there, give or take. It was connected to everything. But at the time, Northville was a very small, it wasn't even a town. It wasn't even a city. It was called a village. Not many people lived there. And it had a ton of trees and acreage and streams and rivers. It was a perfect spot to put this hospital. Now this building or the plans for this modern hospital And by the way, Northville's very much changed and very much populated by now. It was going to consist of 20 buildings spread out over 453 acres. Wooded, most of it very wooded. There was also some swamplands, not like Florida swamps, but some marshes. We had no alligators. And they were going to build this modern facility. And they wanted it to be in the woods because obviously they could cover up some of the the housing and it made it, you know, if there was a patient that could have got out and escaped and they did, it'd be a lot harder for them to get to the, you know, to get out of there. And you just covered up. You just made, it, it was pretty. I mean, and let's be real. It's like camping. It's very, it helps you. It calms you. It You know, being in the woods and being around nature does something to your mind and your body and your soul. So for people that were struggling and having mental illness, this would help them. And obviously there was different levels of people. Some people couldn't be in these facilities, others could. So they wanted to build it out there and it was away from a populated area like Detroit. And I'm going to tell you right now that the main facility that's located on Seven Mile or was located on Seven Mile is surrounded by woods, I mean a dense forest, and it was dubbed the evil woods. There's a reason for that. There was a reason for that when they they housed patients, but there's a reason for that after. The first patients, 25 patients, were moved into the facility in 1952. The population of the patients grew over to 2,000 by 1957. You have to remember too that back then, they weren't, they were much more advanced than they were in the, say, the you know, early 1900s and 1800s, but they were still kind of Cro Magnon in their ways of thinking and how they took care of these people. I mean, they did things like art and music as treatments for these people, and they had, you know, could put on plays and they could study mechanics. And some of these people tended the grounds and actually worked in the hospital facilities. So they were way advanced to let's just give them electroshock therapy. But there were still things that they did that they thought worked that now, in 2022, almost 2023, we would never think of. Modern medicine has advanced, and the way that we view mental illness has changed, although still not enough. But hey, it's progress. And they would have some people that had shorter stays, rapid recovery, and the gentleman who took, to, took it over was Dr. Philip Brown. He was the first super of this massive institution. And he believed in that. He believed in rapid recovery for some of these patients that just maybe had some trauma in their lives or something like that. He believed in shorter stays. He did not believe in putting people in there and throwing away the key, which is why they became overcrowded in the first place. That was his vision. And it worked. It didn't work all the time, but it worked. And during that time, he was getting all the accolades and all the praise. I mean, he had a kitchen, laundry, gymnasium, movie theater, swimming pool, a bowling alley. The place was powered by a steam plant that supplied electricity and heat throughout a giant network of tunnels that went underground and also connected... People, when they could transport, when they got shipments or they could connect uh, patients from going one, one place to another, some of the patients that they didn't want to take out into the open, they could travel in some of these underground tunnels. They would go across the street under seven mile, to other facilities. However, in the late 1970s, the state began to trim the mental health budget once again. Isn't that crazy? That's what I deal with in Texas right now. And I don't want to go off on a tangent, but I will. We are like second to last in the nation for mental health care. But yet you've got our governor and other politicians screaming that when these school shootings happen, it's not guns. It's not the gun's fault. It's a mental health problem. But yet they've taken money away from mental health care. And it's, it's such a joke. Anyway, sorry, I had to go off on that because when I hear that, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So once again the state's reverting back to their problems. They closed some of the hospitals, they reduced the programs. They, uh, the, the people that were off, the doctors that were offering these programs had to begin relying back on medicine and drugs to treat the symptoms. And they found that the results were not the same. Crowding became an issue again at the Northfield facility. It was regularly treating about a thousand patients but only 650 had been diagnosed. Some patients were sleeping in the gym. Some people were sleeping on the floor. Like it, you took this massive facility and you started to treat it bad. then in the eighties, there was a series of investigative reports by the Detroit news that found that conditions at the hospital were appalling. And that matter of fact, Dr. Phillips was gone and somebody else had taken over and that person had cut the budget. They found patients sleeping in the hallways, chain-smoking cigarettes, sitting there watching TV, malnourished, no therapeutic treatment, just large doses of psychiatric drugs. There was massive assault charges or assault allegations, theft, rape. Many patients died during struggles with hospital staff or at the hands of fellow patients. Security was cut. The the place started to fall apart. Then they started to reach out to foreign-born doctors. And I'm not putting anybody down. I'm not saying that. But at the time, the foreign-born doctors had different policies. They were allowing those doctors that maybe served in other countries to come to this state, this country, and do what they did over there here, which was illegal. They didn't care. There was communication problems just from cultural gaps. That happens. It was a disaster. So here you go. You had this massive place. Massive place. Completely ready to go. Dr. Phillips was making progress and the state cut it. So what ultimately happens, right? As they're getting complete, utter negative news from this place, Patients escaping, crimes at the hospital and around the area were on the rise. Police would actually find some of these patients at local restaurants or the mall, some of them sleeping in drainage ditches, some of them trying to break into homes. I mean, these are people that are not okay. They tried to slow down the escapes. They actually planted more trees. They actually had police officers sit alongside of these wild, massive acreage, which doesn't work, to to form a living fence. They actually planted a hedge of thorny growth, like thorny bushes and all that, in the surrounding hospital area in the woods to slow down the escapees instead of trying to prevent them. It was a huge topic of cruelty and everything. In 1990s, under the Governor John Ingler, the state moved for more private care for the mentally ill. It was less expensive. It started to downsize and close and close and close more. Till eventually, in two thousand two, the state announced that it officially closed a hundred percent of that hospital. After other things in the area other, other on the acreage were close. They wanted to sell that land. It was a huge piece of land, almost, over 550 acres, 450 acres. They wanted to sell that, make Northville some money, right? A lot of the patients had no idea where they were going to end up only until a few weeks or days before the closing. In May, 239 patients were transferred to other state facilities. The last patient left on May 16th. after which the staff began moving things out and winding down productions. Some of these patients were deemed eligible to go live on their own. They had had progressed enough that they could go live on their own. Whether that be true or not, that's what happened. Shortly after it closed, the state moved to sell the property and valued at over $7 million on top of now, you got to look at what years this is, too, guys, on top of everything else that was in there. Now, let's fast forward to Brandon and his youth. Now that you got a history of this facility, we would drive by this place on a regular basis. You know, we go to football games to other towns, we, we head down to uh, Canton, which was south of Northville, or, you know, it was right by the freeway, although you couldn't see it by the freeway. Uh, it was very close. We would take shortcuts uh to get to people's houses or friends in other towns and other cities and we would go there. Plus sometimes we would just go to Northville for the festivals. They always had a good Christmas festival. There was an apple orchard there. Um they did a good Halloween festival. I had a really cool downtown. There was a really cool bar downtown. I can't remember the name of it. I almost want to call it like the Fire Hydrant or the Red Roof, not Red Roof Inn, that's a ghetto hotel. Um I don't remember the name of it, but it was the first time I ever had I, I Hacker Shore, the German beer Hacker Shore, and I'll never forget it. I fell in love with that beer. I still like that beer. Um, I haven't had it in years, but I still like it. It's a cool downtown. I've got some friends down there, had some family down there. Um, it's definitely grown. It's, uh, it's kind of bougie in some areas, and, and that's what it is. Now, mind you, when they sold part of that property... They sold it to a golf course (laughs) and this golf course was already there on the edge of the evil woods, but they sold more and they expanded their golf course. And this is one of those rich look at me golf courses. Like you just go there and maybe you don't even play golf. You just go there to be seen. But it butts right up to the evil woods, or it did. And it was like a definitive line. Here's this beauty, beautiful course and lights, and then bam, pitch black. Because you drive by there at night, and it is pitch black. Occasionally, especially this time of year, if the leaves were falling, you might be able to see the moonlight creak through. Some of the houses or facilities that were closer to the road, you can now see skeletons of them, shadows through the windows of what they once were until you got to the main facility. The main facility was nine stories and visible from the road. You would pass this entrance that was completely blocked and overgrown trees and limbs. I mean, you could walk through there, but why bother? And then you would come to another entrance that for a while there, they would have a state, a Michigan State police post there. And they would have a trooper stay there all night in rotation to make sure that people didn't go there to explore or do other things, drugs, sex, whatever. That's what they would do. Drop a body, set something on fire. Because they had multiple random fires. And there were no lights. So I, you know, even though I might have a gun as a police officer, I don't want to sit there and have this, you know, Michael Myers looking scenery behind me the whole time. But you would creep and... And even in the daytime, it looks scary because it would just creep up on you and you'd see this broken building with the windows shattered, probably 99, 98% of the windows, I mean, for the most part shattered to some degree. You'd have these trees growing out of the windows. You'd have broken lights and just remnants of roads and trails all, you know, shattered. Nature took over big old thick weeds coming out of the cement. I mean, if they were to film The Walking Dead there, it would make sense. It honestly looked like a backdrop for The Walking Dead or any other horror apocalyptic movie. Eventually, they, they just stopped having the state police come and they just had, you know, the Norfolk police drive by occasionally. Diagonal from it at the time, though, when we would go go drive by, was a gas station. It's like the only thing there. Now there's like a strip mall and all that stuff. And it was the only gas station if you were staying on that road for about six, seven to ten miles. So it was clearly busy. But could you imagine being that gas station having to look at that thing all the time? Well, I remember one day it was after a football game on a Friday night. I was with my crew, four of my guys. Now I had a big crew, but these four were always I felt like we were always in rotation together. Like this, they were the only time one was missing is if they were out of town grounded, sick, or one of them eventually played football and and we couldn't see him on Fridays. I I think one moved. We had others that would come, but these were the crew. We might swap in some girlfriends here and there, but these were the crew. And after a Friday night, you're driving around, you only got so much to do, right? Football game's over. You might be able to go to the movies if you feel like it. Mall's closed. You can go to the park. We had two parks to go hang out in. Cruise around downtown South Lyon. We weren't driving to Detroit or Ann Arbor or Ipsy at that point. We didn't feel like it that late. What are we going to do? We can't even go into a bar. I mean, legally. Go to a friend's house. We didn't want to call it. Go to Meyer, which is like a Kroger, but they were like open 24 hours. So we just got bored and we started hanging around at McCaddy Park. Witch's hat. They call it witch's hat because the depot there where the train station is has this big pointed roof and it looks like a witch's hat. And it's also across from Witch's Hat Brewing Company, one of my favorite breweries back home. Um, So we would hang out there and we got bored. And I don't remember who brought it up the first time and I'm not going to say their names just in case they don't want to be mentioned. They basically said, hey, I got an idea. Let's roll out to Northville. Not unheard of. We We know people out there and there's things to do. There's other parks. So we drove out there, got there in no time. We decide on the way that we're gonna go explore the Northfield Tunnels, which is the underground tunnels of the psychiatric hospital. Because we just heard somebody that was talking about it. We just heard somebody that allegedly, I say this, allegedly went there. It's an older student. I might've been a senior at the time. I don't think we were. And apparently they got chased out by the cops. That's the rumor. And I could believe that because this guy was that type of guy to get chased out and go do something stupid. And apparently we were going to do something stupid too. So we said, hey, let's go do that. We can get our own stories. I was down. Not thinking. I mean, in my mind, what were the police going to do to me? Look, give me a ticket. They're not going to arrest me, right? I mean, that's my thinking. Give me a ticket. Call my parents. Yeah, whatever. No big deal. I don't think about the other potential dangers. Going in a tunnel, getting lost, going in a tunnel, having asbestos or some rabid dogs that were around there, rats, bats, snakes, spiders people living there, homeless people, uh, maybe some mental patients that lived there. Because we had heard rumors that when some of those people got released, they went back there because they didn't know where to go. And they were living in the tunnels. We knew homeless had been in that area, especially in wintertime. We didn't know what drug users, you know, people that were, you know, mad that we were there. We had no, we didn't think about that crap. We didn't think about the Crazy Hank story that we heard. That was actually end up being real. Crazy Hank was a patient at the psychiatric hospital who got evaluated to leave. And he got a home in Northville. This is a true story. I didn't know him, but it was all over the news and, and local people that live there called him Crazy Hank. Obviously that wasn't his name. He had a house. He's, Stuck to himself for years. He was very meticulous on his lawn. A lot of people are like that, but he was very meticulous. He would sit there and watch people. And if they got too close to the lawn, he'd come outside and yell at them. And we've all had a neighbor like that or know somebody or maybe a dad or something. One day, he was sitting outside and he would always sit on top of his cooler, but never drink anything like not not drinking beer, just sit on top of this cooler. These kids walked across his lawn. He snapped and attacked the kids physically. They arrested him and who knows what happened. So clearly he was not okay. It didn't work, but we didn't know how many more people were like that in Northville. Did they snap? Did they go back to what they were used to? We had no idea. We're just going to go there. So we're driving, and it doesn't take us long. There's not much planning, no communication. You know, real good, real good stuff that we do. And we get to the gas station. We pull in. My buddy is filling up gas. We go in and get snacks, and we can see the main facility, the nine-story main building across the street. I mean, it's there. You could throw a football and hit the parking lot for sure. And it is pitch black because, again, yes, Northville was – built up when we were there, but it wasn't as built up as it is now. There's still not much on that road in either direction. No housing. The gas station's there. There's not many lights. You have uh, railroad tracks that kind of cut through there. And you have the evil woods. And it is dark. It is very dark. So we're trying to come up with an idea as there, how are we going to get over to this facility? What are we going to do so we don't get in trouble? How are we going to get inside? I voted that we just walk. Park the car behind the gas station and walk. It's easier. We're not going to be seen. There's no car sticking out. My buddy who was driving the car didn't like that idea. He figured the gas station attendant would rat on us. I told him he doesn't get paid enough, but they decided we're just going to pull out and go straight into the parking lot and flip the car around facing the exit so we can hop in and leave not go too deep in the parking lot cuz again there's glass and broken beer bottles and the the cement and chains and like you don't want to drive through that parking lot you're going to get a flat tire then what let me call a tow truck let me try to change my tire like that's how horror movies start let me try to change my tire in this abandoned mental hospital's parking lot that it shouldn't be at anyway, right? Like That seems like a good idea. So, there is a little spot when you pull in and it was kind of where the state police would go and there was a little like, you could kind of like park your car and you really couldn't see it from the street unless you were looking. You really didn't have to worry about lights hitting it or anything and it was still facing the exit to get the heck out of there. That's exactly what we did. We rolled across the street, flipped around, got out of the car, grabbed whatever we could. We had lighters. This is how prepared we were, let me tell you. We had lighters, crowbar, baseball bat. We always had those in the car. You just never know. I still have stuff like that. One flashlight. Remind you, let me remind you, there's no cell phones back then. There's no iPhone. You're not holding up the light, the flashlight on your phone. You're not recording video. There's no TikTok or anything like that. So if you're recording video, you need a camcorder. If you want to take pictures, you got to go old school, either have a good camera or one of those Kodak disposables that we'd always buy. You guys remember those? They were like little squares, and, you, and some of them would have a flash cube on them. Otherwise, you get like 20 pictures or whatever, and you just snap and go. I can't tell you how many of those we had. We would carry those on a regular basis for football games and dances and road trips and just to have, hey, let's take some random pictures. And we'd drop them off at Meyer, get them developed. And if they sucked, we just never paid for them, which is like totally horrible. But that's what we did. Jeez, um, <clears throat> what a jerk. I'm telling you, kids are jerks, man. My son, man, he better not pull this crap. I know he's going to pull something. But he, you know, I look, that's what they do. But I just, God, he's got to be better than me in everything in life. He he already is. So, in my opinion. But we didn't have that. So we had like a real flashlight. Let's hope the batteries don't die. And we're walking to the facility with no game plan. Trying to figure out a way to get in the tunnels. We don't have a map. We know that there's ways to get in these tunnels from multiple buildings. And we know the main building, the nine story main building has a lot of ways to get in. The question is how, and the question is where. We're not, we had no intention of climbing this falling apart, (laughs) just structure. At night, we were going to go down into the tunnels, which I don't know what's worse. So as we're walking up there, I mean, there's graffiti on the ground, just random spray paints, glass. I can't tell you how many, like, cigarettes and beer bottles. I mean, you could tell. There's people just coming to hang out. And it was a giant parking lot. And, you like, they would have signs, but none of those signs could be, like, you couldn't see the words on them not because it was dark, because they were rusted out and gone or just faded. It was just like a blank sign. Some of the signs had fallen over. All the lampposts that were supposed to light up the parking lot had no lights in them. There was even a lamp, a giant lamppost down on the ground. There were covered parking, but some of the covered parking was fallen. So those big roofs of the covered parking was bent over and on the ground from storms or just no maintenance or just sitting there in the elements in the michigan elements i mean rain and cold and snow and heat just destroying this stuff that was built back in the 40s and the 50s and so on now you couldn't get in the front door and the front door it's glass or plexiglass was fogged so you actually couldn't see in these front doors and it was chained i mean they spent time chaining these which kind of didn't make sense because you could just go around to a window, but they definitely didn't want you going in that front door. And you could see people spray painting. And it looks like somebody had a little fire pit down there, you know, like right in front of it. That's just ridiculous. We saw crack pipes broken on the ground. I mean, I'm like, this is already, this place is not giving us any good vibe to go into. But we're, we're you know, we're determined. So we walk to the front door anyway, just kind of look around, and then we decide if you're facing the building to go to the left. Now, this doesn't mean anything to you guys. I'm just telling you the story. And there's a path. Now, this isn't like a path from the hospital. Whatever cement or sidewalk is underneath us is covered in grass or broken. And to each side, for all we knew, there was some grass or a parking lot, but it was like overgrown. I mean, it could come up to your waist. And we're not walking through that crap, but this was a path that looked like people had been walking down over and over again. So you just created this path. So obviously, this is where everybody decided to go. We had to be on the right track. So we start to walk down this path in a single line, and I'm just thinking to myself, what's in those woods? or not woods, but what's in that grass? Forget snakes and spiders, foxes and stuff. Who's in there? Is there a body in there? Some homeless dude sleeping? Are we about to get jumped? Because it's creepy. You just felt like you were being watched and it was cold. And I'm not saying that it got cold because of the supernatural. It was obviously cold when we went there. It's Michigan during football season. It's cold fall. The wind starts to pick up, but because there's nothing there, just woods and broken buildings, it just got cold. And it always felt like, and this happened to me every time, it always felt like it just got darker. Like, yes, it's dark at the gas station, but it's really dark here. And I understand why, but even the light of the moon felt like it wasn't, it wasn't as bright as it was. Even if I was staring directly at it, It just, it was crazy. And we start to walk and we see this giant tree or bush coming out of the side of the building, but just next to it, there's open windows. That's where the path was leading. So clearly we're like, hey, we're going in there. Okay, cool. No problem. So we walk up closely. We shine the one flashlight and the lighters. And there's, this was the thing is they allegedly cleaned this place out, right? Years. But there were filing cabinets in there, open with folders. We assume only some sort of either insurance or papers. We don't know because the papers had like all the ink and everything was off, or you couldn't read it. Mold was literally growing on these papers when we saw him, when we finally saw them. Not this time, another time. Wheelchairs, broken beds, fire extinguishers. Like, you just, I mean. <laughs> No wonder you guys are broke. You literally left everything. You just left patient documentation. You left... I mean, who knows if there was medicine in there. we I mean, clearly this place wasn't run right at all. So who knows what's in there? And we start to look. And then we catch this light from the other side of this window. And it kind of bounces off. And I'm like, what the heck was that? So... It, it could have been like the moon. or We, we don't know. But it happens again. It's like a sweeping light. Like a lighthouse. And I'm like, dude, somebody's here. But it wasn't inside the building. It was outside on the other side. We could see it through the broken windows. And then we just happened to catch the reflection of a car. We're done. That's a police officer. Probably just driving through the parking lot, checking it out, and leaving. Because you know he ain't hanging out he's like, Hey, I did my rounds. I'm going to call my captain, be like, I did it. I'm out. We get, <laughs> we run down that woods, get or like that little trail, get in the car and we take off. And the cool thing was we could just go the back way. Cause you know, we thought for some reason, what if the cop sees us, he's going to follow us, right? We don't go on the main drag. We go straight, take seven mile back to South lion. We're in the safety of our own home. We end up going to somebody's house, crashing for the night, but we don't stop there. It's time to plan trip two because we didn't even make it inside. Now, we could tell some people about it, but we got to get that street cred, right? We've got to get that street cred. When I come back, I'm going to tell you two more stories, and it only gets weirder from here, guys. I could probably do a series of these because I've gone back a dozen times or drove by, you know, kind of inside a dozen times. But these three stories, to me, tell you just how creepy it is. We're going to get into some weird stuff right when I come back from this commercial break. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks for taking that break with me. Uh, look, I've got a lot to tell in a short period of time, so let's just dive right back in to our adventures into the Northfield Psychiatric Hospital. So clearly we were not successful that time getting into the tunnels. It was just, it didn't work. You know, when you see, the, uh, you see a police officer, you decide to leave. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't even want to try to explain yourself. You definitely don't want to get a ticket. You don't want to go to jail. And you certainly don't want to have your parents find out. So over the course of that week in school, we talked about it. We told some people what happened. You know, we didn't have much to tell. But it piqued people's interest. Some of our other friends wanted to go with us. We didn't go right away. We actually planned for a while. I don't know how long. When I say a while, this wasn't like Ocean's Eleven planning heist type situation, but it wasn't, hey, let's get in the car and go this Friday. This time we came prepared. As we approached, again, we went to the football game because you don't go to South Lion and not go to a football game, okay? That's just the way it is. And anybody who's from South Lion understands that. So, especially when your team was amazing and making it to the championships and, and I mean, look, Some of my greatest memories of high school was South line football games. Plus, when your team walks out to welcome to the jungle and you have welcome to the jungle plastered all over your field and your stadium, well, stadium, so to speak. Yeah, you, you get a little excited about that. Every Friday, guaranteed Axel will be at the football game. Granted, it's, you know, playing through the speakers. But still, when you're a Guns N' Roses fan, it, you know, takes it to another level. But we did go. We went after the football game, and we actually went in another buddy's car because we had more people with us. We didn't want to take two cars because, obviously, two cars is a bad idea. Again, it's nighttime. It's cooler. We're talking the end of football season, probably closer to Halloween. So, very appropriate, right? Take a drink of this coffee here. I switch from water to coffee. I guess it's better than, you know, beer to whiskey or whiskey to beer. Well, maybe, depends who you ask. So we go the same route again. We decide that we are gonna do the same thing again. We're not gonna stop at the gas station. We don't need to. We don't wanna, you know, raise any eyebrows. And we are gonna kinda cruise around the out of the building, the outside of this building. We're gonna take the main streets and just kinda drive, just to make sure that from the outside looking in, we're not seeing any police officers potentially parked on the street or cruising around. Because again, if we see police officers going up and down the main street, we're going to we're gonna abort the mission. We're not going to risk getting into the building, walking around, and having police officers waiting for us outside, or worse, actually coming inside the building. We don't know exactly what the best thing to do is, but we know we do not want that. So we take a couple... You know, drives around nothing. Again, like I told you before, this area, it's not as populated as it is now. It is still very different than it was when they first built the hospital. And you do get some traffic, but the way that this mental hospital, this psychiatric hospital is presented, when you look at it on a map, or I should say the way it was built, They did that for a reason. They kind of kept it off the road. They had the evil woods. So even as they built up around it, it's still kind of sad. I mean, you're looking at almost 500 acres. And it kind of sat on its own. So not a lot of traffic. One side of the street wasn't built up. The other was starting to build up by the gas station. Again, there was no homes in that particular area at the time. So we kind of had this like void, this black hole of traffic. And occasionally you'd see the cop cars go by obviously because on either side of it, you could get to, if you went further down, you get to another city. If you went the other way, you could get to a freeway and you get to more populated areas. So, and then about seven miles up the road was a police station. So you had, you had areas around it and then the black hole of crazy. So we pulled in the same way, parked, we had about six people, yes, in one car, don't ask. Part of the crew, the extended crew, but this time we had flashlights, knives, baseball bats, crowbars, lighters, what else did we bring? We had a backpack with bandages, (laughs) um... What else do we have in the backpack? Extra flashlights in case our batteries died. We even had batteries because, you know, there's nothing like going around an abandoned mental hospital in a tunnel when your flashlights go out and you're trying to change batteries, right? But we had those. Uh, What else do we have? Change of clothes, like t-shirts, random t-shirts, toilet paper in case somebody had to, you know. We had towels, like, uh, not towels, but uh, washcloths. I mean, we're not ready to go, like, you know, go through the Amazon jungle, but we think as teenagers, we are prepared. So, the best way to do this, and after researching, by researching, I mean talking to several people at the school that allegedly, allegedly went there, I'm throwing up the air quotes, we kind of found out the best way to get in, and we were on the right track. So, we don't bother looking at the front anymore we already saw that but we continue to go down the path that path of you know trampled weeds and grass that's still very much there And we continue to go down that path we get right up to the window where we were last time and it is dark it is kind of windy it's not snowing but it is much colder and again like I told you when you're there it's colder anyway it just is. So we go past that, that opening that we kind of looked in where we, where we got spooked and saw the reflection of the police officer. And we walk around to the back of the building. And in the back of the building, now mind you, this is all overgrown on all sides. And there's little roads that kind of stem off and go into the evil woods. And there's paths. And you can start to see some of those facilities and housing units that are in the woods you can see them they're shells of what they were old buildings i mean built in the 40s they look like they almost look like they could be like like schools or you know from a church just the brick and then like you know windows falling down and they're they're boarded up but yet the boards are kicked in you can start to make out some of that just the initial ones that are closer to the main the main hospital but as we go around, there's literally a door wide open. And it's wide open because there's no doors on it. It's just this big giant hole where you could tell like, oh, there should be doors here. And that's where we were told to walk in. So we do. Now I can tell you that I don't get scared very easily. I don't. Yeah, people try to scare me, jump out on me, and it just doesn't work. Sometimes I think, am I prepared enough? Is that why I'm scared? Because I'm always expecting that to happen? Or do they just not do a good job? <laughs> but as we walked up into this darkness and we've got our lights on and baseball bats, I mean, we, we look like we're ready to hunt Frankenstein's monster. As we go in, all we needed was a pitchfork. As we go in, You kind of just feel, and I talked to my friends about this. It wasn't just me. You kind of just feel this weird, not a presence, but like this weird, heavy feeling. Very heavy. It just comes weighing down on you. It's anxiety, stress. You know you're not supposed to be there. You know, you're not supposed to be doing any of this, but it is there and it is coming at you and it's cold and you hear occasional stuff. Mind you, you're in this building that is exposed to the elements. It has rats and mice and bats. Yes, bats, because we always saw bats flying in and out of there. You can see rat droppings everywhere. So you hear things, maybe a drip of water, and because it's empty, who knows where it is, but it sounds loud. You know, you hear the floors crack or, or you step on something that breaks and we're not even in all the way, but you just feel it, And it's like, Oh, here we go. And as we walk in and now I don't know what part of the hospital we were in. I, I have no idea what room, what, but you get to this hallway pretty quick. There's no, there's no like doors on either side of you. looks like some sort of check-in area that might've been staged at one point. Who knows? It could have been a receiving. I have no idea because the place is dilapidated. We're talking, the floors are cracking underneath our feet. Not that we're going to fall through. I mean, we could, but just from everything breaking, I mean, just, Stuff that's on the ground, rocks, and just debris. The walls are covered in like mold and dirt. I mean, it's not all mold, but it's gross. (laughs) You could see signs of like, you could tell there were letters on the wall or a sign hanging, but you can't read them much like the outside. You can't, they're just destroyed. And immediately we see like wheelchairs laying on the ground, busted pipes. And we just start walking down. And then you start getting these doors. There's doors on this side. There's a room on this side. There's a room on. And then you get into the main. You could tell if we go this way, we're into the main lobby, hallway, whatever area of the hospital. So we're, we're now almost at the front but we don't go that way because we're going to go left. That's what we were told, go left. So we're getting deeper into the heart of this abandoned hospital. And as we walk in, I mean, it is, I, I can't tell you how heavy, I felt like something was weighing on my shoulders and not like, you know, when we say, Hey, we got the whole world on our shoulders. We're stressed. I'm felt I felt like I was carrying a hundred pound backpack on my shoulders, just heavy, like moving. It felt like time stood still and we were just going so slow and it could just be fear. It could just be, you know, how it felt at that time because of the darkness and, and what we were doing. But I've talked to a lot of people since that say that that is the presence of spirits whether they be good or evil, because they are trying to take your energy. And I've heard that several times. And I've had experiences where i th- that can be the only explanation. I mean, I could be wrong, but let's just go with that. It's Halloween, right? So as we walk, now mind you, we're expecting to see some sort of entrance to the tunnels, like... The tunnel's this way, like we're in Disneyland. Like, just go in here and get in line. We are seeing filing cabinets tipped over, open, with files in there, the manila folders that are no longer manila anymore. They're just ripped up. I mean, they didn't go through and clean this place out. They didn't. Chairs. Just all kinds of random stuff. Nothing worth taking for us. But I imagine they could have probably done something with it. The deeper we get into this place, and it's huge, and we're we're finding no sign of the tunnels. We don't even have a clue at this point. We just know we were told to go this way and we'd be able to find them. Again, we don't even know if that's true. That's just what we were told. But as we get deeper, we start to see less of outside influences on the ground. The crack pipes, the beer bottles, the random cigarettes. There was a ton of graffiti, though. I mean, ton. Everything from names to, you know, pentagrams, the anarchy signs, you know, all your typical 90s, late, you know, 90s tags. There was, you know, maybe gang signs up there that we, you know, I don't know if they were real or not. recognize them and I know what some gang signs look. I'm not fluent in gang sign art but I'm not an idiot. I mean, there was like (laughs) people would write the dates just spray paint a date on the wall. Then there was just random numbers. I mean, just random crap. Different colors, black, red. As we get further though we come to an area where the elevators are. (laughs) Obviously, we are not trying to go in the elevators, okay? We see stairs, too. Some of the doors were still intact and locked. Now, you'd have this little tiny, like, window to go to the stairwell. The window was broken out, but the door was locked. We found some maintenance stuff, an old mop bucket that had, like, sludge in it. I mean, just... And it smelled the place smelled. Probably we're just breathing in the asbestos. So there you go. That's a good time. And it was just gross. We make our way past the tunnels and we are deep. Again, I have no concept of time. I have no idea if it's been 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, five hours. I have no clue because like I said, everything was moving slow in my mind in this facility, the darkness. I mean, we'd walk past a place. We'd have our lights in there and you could, we adjusted and you could see everything. And then we leave, we turn around and it's just dark behind us. I'm also starting to freak out because how are we going to get back? So my mind is like, okay, I'm keeping track of something, but am I right? I don't want to be lost in this place. And we finally see these doors. They look like they're in the ground like in the floor it kind of looks like a sewer door or a maintenance door like if you've ever been and you guys have been to a city i know and sometimes by these buildings they 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 have these metal doors that are on the ground it's not like tornado shelters or old school like we're going down to the cellar doors like they're just metal and you can open them up. And I, they open up, some open up wide like the cellar doors, and some are sliding. And I'm like, well, there's a door on the ground. It's got to be the tunnels, right? With a little effort, we got it open. It wasn't easy. It's was kind of heavy. It was rusted. And the initial opening, this gust of Whatever, cold air, breeze came swooping up in our face. I mean, it took me back for a minute. And then the smell of God knows what almost had me throw up. I was like, I am not walking down into that crap. Literal, prob- probably crap, not happening. But it went away right away. It was like there and gone. Well, I, it doesn't take much to twist my arm let's walk in there. Okay, let's do this. So we did. We shine the light. There's a ladder to get down. And then you get down on this little tiny platform, and there's a couple stairs. This tunnel was actually kind of big. It had a little area. I mean, two of us side by side, three of us almost. I mean, it was you saw some lockers, you saw pipes, you, and I'm like, we are in the tunnels. We've officially made it in the tunnels. Now what? <laughs> how how deep do we want to go? We, so we could say we made it in. Do we turn around and go and say we did it? Or do we keep going? No, we keep going. The ground's kind of wet, but it's not like we're not in sewage. I mean, maybe, but it's, you could tell that this is Clearly maintenance people get down here. They have their lockers and they do stuff. These were the pipes. I mean, again, these are carrying steam to power the place. Water, heat, all this. These are those pipes. Now those pipes have long been shut off. They're destroyed. Some of them have holes in them. Rats. I can't tell you how many rats we saw. can't tell you how many roaches we saw. Um, In that initial walk, which felt like a mile. It wasn't by any means, but it felt that. It's really kind of boring. It's creepy, but boring. Oh, well, we just kept walking, and it just kept going. It didn't turn; it just kept on going straight, which made it great to get us back. But it wasn't exciting. We actually kind of said, "Yeah, you know, guys, there's nothing here," you know, and they're like, "Well." We're thinking these are big tunnels and they are, so we got to keep going to find something. And we did. Almost as soon as we thought about turning back, we found something. Two ways to go, three ways. But the one way, if we went left, looked like it went further. The right, as we kind of walked down there, looked like it stopped. So what's the point? So we go left. But As we get left, We start to hear things. We don't know what they are. Animals, homeless people, just us, the wind, something unexplainable. We ignore it, but we keep quiet. We communicate. We're going to communicate, you know, Navy SEAL style by hands, hand signals with our flashlights. We're not talking anymore. Because we also realize that there could be a lot of people down here. By a lot, meaning anybody, anybody else could be down here doing the same thing. We don't know if they're cool or not. We don't know if it's a drug thing. We don't know if they're killing somebody, homeless people, spirits. We don't know. And we keep walking. And we notice the walls get wider and the pipes are no longer there or they're on the ceiling. They kind of went up and they're on the ceiling. They're not on the side. And these walls have holes in them, big, giant holes and just blackness. And so as we keep walking, we shine the lights in the the holes and we see that you could actually walk through this wall into another area. Not a good idea, but we do it. And we feel like we're in a classroom. It's so weird. Now, I don't think... When I say that we were in a classroom, I don't think that that's what that room was. But that's what that room felt like because there were chairs. Regular folding chairs just sitting there. There was a desk up front, like a teacher's desk, but it looked like it didn't belong there. It looked like somebody put it there. There was books that were empty like notebooks notebooks that were fresh these had not been there the whole time at all and there were melted candles a couple of them we realized something had been going on there whether that was recent a year ago yesterday two hours ago Something was going on there and it had nothing to do with the psychiatric hospital. So we get out and we keep walking down again. It turns and it opens up to a big area and we very quickly realize there's a pool, the giant pool. We knew there was a giant Olympic sized pool. We thought the Olympic sized pool somewhere else unless there's two of them but there it is and let's not forget there's a movie theater there too huge pool diving board broken the bottom of the pool is filled with god knows what trash wheelchairs chairs uh leaves it's disgusting we don't go down there there's like tires down there but we walk around the pool for a while it's just an impressive sight to see this old empty underground Olympic size pool. We get through a door and at this point we have communicated with each other that we are going to start heading back. We've been here long enough. We've managed to see it. It's, we don't need to get deeper and deeper and get lost. We still remember how to get back. Let's go. <clears throat> but as we turn and go into this room, we start hearing voices, not the ones in our heads. And the voices are whispering, but kind of talking. They are human. Very distinctive. We know that they're they're guys. We don't hear any girls. We just hear guys. We turn around and we see a light. A faint light through one of the, like, holes. We assume it's through one of the holes because there's a hallway and... I mean, it could be a room, so I, that's not fair for me, say, a hole. And we wait, and the light disappears. And we're like, it's time. It's time to go. So as we walk back down past those dark rooms, one of the rooms, or holes in the wall, we'll say, because this was a hole in the wall that was led into a room, now has flickering lights in it. We have to walk past this to get by. We have no choice. There might be another way out, but we are not going to find it. Even if it's daytime, it's dark down here. So this is not like we can't find it because it's dark nighttime. We can't find it because this place is dark and it's a maze. We'll kind of look at each other like, what are we going to do? And we're like, we have no choice. Let's just go. Let's quietly leave. Worst case scenario, we know it's not police. We know police are not hanging down here. Could just be a homeless guy or a couple homeless people. There's six of us with weapons. I'm sure they're not. we're not the only people that they've encountered. And if we are, we'll deal with them. No gangs are coming down the tunnels. They're going to do all their activity up front. No criminals are going to, I mean, yeah, they might hide here, but if they're trying to commit some murder or something crazy like that, going all the way to the tunnels, they have 459 acres or whatever to mess around in. Are they going to really go down here? I could just do their business up top and leave. And if they do get down here, then we got a problem, obviously. But our minds are wandering. And then we're like, what if it's none of those? What if this is the supernatural stuff? So as we slowly decide to walk by this hole, we can tell that these are candles. You know they're flickering lights, but you never know. Your eyes do amazing things with your imagination running wild at night, and especially in the dark. So we don't know. But we now know these are candles. So clearly the people that lit the other candles are here. Which is not good. that means they've established themselves and they come here they probably know the area better than us (laughs) matter of fact guaranteed so we get close to that area and we just creep across and we all look into the room and there's candles but nobody there at least that we saw So we thought. Because as we continue to walk further back to get to these stairs, to get out of this dump and this trap and this dangerous situation, we hear footsteps behind us. Of course, we ignore them at first because there's six of us. And you can walk quiet through here, but you are stepping on something. When we walked quiet past this room, the hole in the wall room, obviously we're stepping on stuff—water, dead bugs, you know, glass, whatever, rocks. You, you can try to be as quiet as you want, and if you're just not though. I'm just picturing this right now. And I remember my buddy turned to me. And I he, and I wasn't last. I wasn't at the end of this, you know, <laughs> journey trail. I was kind of in the middle. I had two people behind me. And we look, and they look back. And there are two figures standing there with black hoodies on. We all stop, turn, and we just... I mean, I say for a minute, who knows if it was 40 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute, whatever, staring at them. I cannot see their faces, but they are real, and every single one of these people sees them. These are not spirits, these are human beings, and they're wearing black hoodies. We shine the light on them, and they're just looking at us. Yes, they had faces. I just couldn't see them. Their hoods were up, and my buddy's like, hey, we're leaving and they just stared. And as we walked, they walked. So now I got people facing the direction that we're going walking, and I've got a group of us, including myself, walking backwards watching these guys. We get to the stairs. They don't come that far, but we know that if we were to turn around and head back, they would be right there. We get up the stairs, we get the F out of there. We haul I'll say it, haul ass, out of there in the car, done, go back to my buddies, we shower because you know we just walked through some whatever we I threw my clothes away, I don't even want them, just changed, kept them my shoes gone. I wore crappy shoes, told you we prepared this time, and we are spooked. we are the adrenaline has taken over, but we're also just exhausted because we go back to my buddies to talk about it and change. And we're thinking we're going to stay up and all of us pass out. I never slept so good. I was so tired when I woke up that morning. Just felt like I had done a like a drink fest all night and I hadn't had anything. And I have no idea how late it was or, you know, I just remember waking up like, oh my God, we go to Denny's. Denny's was the place to go back then. Obviously it sucks now if it's even around. I know there's some around, but There's none around here. I think there's one like an hour from me, and it sucks. But at the time, that was the jam. You go get your Grand Slam breakfast. You get your 99-cent coffee, and you just... And we start processing what happened. Everything from, like, escaped mental patients that live down there to homeless people to devil worshipers, everything. We have no idea. But we knew that they did not want us to be there, and we knew that if we overstayed our welcome there was probably more than two of them. There was probably more than, than what we saw down there. And who knows how long they were watching us, if they even saw us. And they most likely did. doesn't end there. This last one's real quick before I wrap up my show, guys. I told, I got more stories, but probably a year later, we go back. We decide we're going to go back with our girlfriends. Now, There's only like four of us. We're going to go check it out. Go see what happens. You know, we we tell them about it. They know about it, but they don't know about it. We've told them the horror stories about it, but they don't know about it. (laughs) We go to the gas station this time. We're not going to take the girls in the tunnels. We decide that, but we're going to go show them the outside of the building and maybe go explore some of the grounds, right? That seems good. Let's walk into the evil woods. We got chased by, you know, two crazy, you know, devil-worshipping whatever. (laughs) So why why not just go to the evil woods? That's total logic. But we're older now. We're mature, so we're not going to go in the tunnels. Go to the gas station. Not the same person that works there. Place is built up even more now. There's a strip mall by the gas station that's built. There's houses on the other side of the street, uh, not from the gas station, but um, like down. Same side of the street as the gas station, I'd say, but further down there's apartment. So things are being built, you know. A year later, it's amazing what changes. I mean, I, I just know where I live, what happened in the first year I lived here. Compared to now. So we're in the gas station, we're stocking up water, whatever, we're just hanging out, talking to the guy behind the counter, it's a different guy. All of a sudden, somebody rushes into the gas station, scares the crap out of us, runs in, it's like, help, help, and I'm not kidding, help, help, we look over, this dude was covered in mud, head to toe, and we're like, oh my God, oh my God, and like the girls are like, yeah, you know. And the guy's like, "I'm calling. oh, what do you need? What happened? What happened? I'm calling the police. And he's like, help, help. And he is covered in mud and gnats. Flies are all over him. Now, obviously, my memory of this could be exaggerated, but I knew that he had bugs on him. We step away and you can see them. They're on his face. They're on his shirt. And they're just kind of swarming. He went back outside and sat and started like wiping him off and getting the bugs off. And he took a bottle of like The guy gave him a bottle of water and, and he started dumping it on his face. He's like, you got to wait outside. You got to wait outside. The dude starts mopping the floor. He locked the door on this guy and he's talking with him through the door. Are you injured? And the guy's like, help me. That's all he said. The police show up. The paramedics show up. The police Weren't even talking to him next to him because this guy was so gross. But as he cleaned himself or at least got, got some of it off, he didn't look like a homeless guy. He had like decent shoes on and like jeans that didn't look like he found them in a toilet. They completely, I mean, we're there for like an hour, maybe more. We didn't go. They unlocked the door when the police are there, but they, we didn't go outside. They were probably there cleaning him, scrubbing him. They wouldn't even put him in the ambulance (laughs) until the dude was cleaned off. They had one of those big white, like, not suits, but like, uh, I don't know, sheets or blankets or whatever they are, like, over him. I mean, they just, like, covered him up. Maybe it wasn't white. Maybe it was, like, foil. Those foil blankets. I never understood. I guess they work, but it's like, here's a piece of foil. And they, I mean, just... Gross. The guy had the EMTs put masks on. This is pre-COVID, man. I mean, they had gloves. They had everything. They're like, what is and the guy left and we were just stunned. So needless to say, we didn't go to that tunnels that day or to the across the street. But we talked to the guy and he said, You know what? I guarantee you he came from that hospital. They have to tear that hospital down. They said, There's so much stuff, crime, gang members. He's like, I work overnights. I see stuff. He's like, I've seen people walk across the street. I've seen two or three cars come in and I don't know where they go. He's like, the cops don't go there anymore. He goes occasionally. He's like, but I get more people trying to go venture into the tunnels over there than I get customers at night. And we're like, "Mm -hmm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm, you know, not us. But he said, there's something going on in those tunnels. He said, and I think based on what I've seen, he goes, "There's, there's devil worshipers down there. There's a cult down there he said, because there's always weird things happening. There's always a random person comes out. looks like he's just been, you know, done drugs. He's like, last week I had a guy come out, eyes glaze over, not know where he is. And he said he was across the street and he can't find his car. Cops came again. He's like, something is going on down there. Something's going on in there. He goes, and I've seen, you know, people shoot fireworks off from there. They start fires. That stuff, he's like, but I'm telling you, he said, there's, I don't know what's happening, but they got to get rid of it. It's constant trouble and it's only getting worse. So I don't know what that guy got into. I don't know if that guy was homeless and stumbled into some sort of nasty cesspool, maggot infested puddle of what. I have no idea. I don't know if that guy was down there. you know, not experimenting, exploring and ran into some of our friends, the dudes, and maybe a group of them in the black hoodies. And maybe they didn't like it. Maybe they kept him down there. Or maybe he was one of them. You know, your mind starts to wonder and we never found out. But that wasn't the last time we went. But I'm not going to get into those stories. Um, There wasn't much that happened. We got pulled over by the cops once. They talked about how they got called in for gangs they showed us a bullet casing that they found and said, look, it's getting worse down here. You guys don't want to be here. We never went. We never ever went back inside the tunnels. I can tell you that, but we did go try to explore the property several times. Not much really happened. We saw some people running around, like literally running from one, one of the buildings to another. We don't know what they were, if they were part of that crew, if they were just other explorers like us. Uh, and then we got pulled over by the police who showed us a bullet casing and said, look, there's, there's drug deals going down here. There's crime. We got reports of gunfire. Get out of here. Don't come back or we'll arrest you. And I think that might have been the last time. We'd driven by it a hundred times. And now, just to cap it off and end our show, my show here, it's completely leveled, gone, destroyed. They definitely didn't empty it. And guess what they built on top of all of it? Multi-million dollar homes. And I'm sure as they dug into the ground, depending on how deep the tunnels were, they ran into stuff. There was big talk and a conspiracy theory. And some evidence pointed to this being true that they filled in some of the entrances to the tunnels with dirt and cement and then just built on top of them. Could you imagine if there's some of those homeless people down there, forget the bats and rats and crap, but some of the homeless, plus bats weren't going all the way down there. I mean, they got to fly out, but homeless people that lived down there that didn't make it out, you know, they didn't, you know, for a fact that they didn't go explore the tunnels to make sure it was safe. They didn't do it. You already know. What about those creepy people? I mean, who cares? They were up to no good. So just go ahead and bury them. But would you want to live on that property? I like, that's got a movie in the making. You know, you're in the basement. Because let's not forget, Michigan has basements. You're in the basement. And all of a sudden, your walls start to cave in. You don't know why. And a group of black hoodied. Demons come in to take your kids like you just I would never want to and I'm talking multi-million dollars now the evil woods are pretty much gone except for some of the the trees and stuff the homes were built in and around them so now you got the evil trees by you but you know for a fact that people died in those tunnels before we got there probably after we got there and when they decided to tear the place down. There is no way that they made it safe. And there was a lot of rumors about that. It's for some time it came up, it came up in news articles and local papers, and then it just literally died out, phased out. Nobody talked about it anymore. One of the creepiest places I've ever been. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the tunnels and I'll never forget Looking at this bug covered man, I'll he looked like a scene from a movie. I just could not believe that. I mean, just seems so fake to me, but it was real. I've never experienced something like that, I've never seen that. Oh, anyway, guys. Thanks for listening to the Life of an Average Joe podcast. Tune in next week for some more Halloween-themed shows. Next week, I'm going to talk about Halloween movies. That's right. We're going to talk about Halloween movies. We're going to talk about some of my favorite Halloween movies, but we're going to do it a little bit different this year. Every year, I go through my 31 days of movies, and I watch as many horror movies as I can. And I did, back when I first started this podcast, I had my buddy Ken on and we went through Halloween films. I'm gonna try not to duplicate any of those and really talk about some of the new ones I've seen since. Some of the ones that I think are completely overrated that people just love. It's like they become cult classics and I, it, for the life of me, I don't understand. We're gonna talk about some of the some of the series and creepy documentaries out there that are worth watching this year. Because Halloween is a mere two weeks away and you still got plenty of time to soak in some spooky, creepy, haunted, witch, demon, children of the corn stuff. So come on back next week. If you have a creepy story or you know of a creepy place uh, that is in your town and you want to tell me about it, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at the life of an average show podcast at gmail.com or go to the com. If you know a creepy place in Texas that you're like, Brandon, I want you to know if you can can you explore this next year? Send me an email. Drop me a comment. I'll research it. Because I've already, I already got my one place, Goatman's Bridge. That's the one I've been wanting to hit for a few years now. So that's the place this year. Next year, though, we'll see. I'd like to thank everybody again for listening and supporting, guys. It's been awesome. I appreciate it. Lucky 13's Tattoo Aftercare, winter is here, and my lips are chapped, which means my skin is chapped and dry. If you've got your tattoos, you better take care of those. Go ahead and click on that link on my website to get that discount, bring them on in. Are you looking for shirts? You guys looking for shirts? You're in the Frisco area, Plano area? Looking for merch for your company, for your small business? Times are tough, but you got to advertise. And you got to advertise different. you got to market different. You can't just tell people about it. Groggy Dog will be your print shop. They know exactly what to do. They can do everything from shirts to hoodies, to, to koozies, to hats, to blankets, to everything. They're local. They're good-priced, great people. They understand the vision for your business, for your dream, even if it's just a hobby. If you got, you got a soccer team, starting up a soccer team, a bunch of old people, you guys want to do soccer? It's old people soccer. They get it. They get your vision. It's about comfort and affordability. Don't go order t-shirts that are thick and hard and you feel like you're putting on cardboard. Be proud of what you wear. Check out Groggy Dog. Got links on my podcast. Love those guys. Or links on my podcast page. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Love to hear from you.